0: Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale.
1: Welcome to the Deep Dives. Andy, how was your weekend? Memorial Day weekend. Did you have a
0: good one? Pretty good. Weather was good. Grilling was great. Wife screwed up, but the run kind of shrimp. I made uh, I made lemonade out of lemons. Steaks were great, <laughs> wings were awesome. Had a lot of fun. Good weather. Caught some fish. All Spend right. Some time in the hammock. What about you? Beach time?
1: Yeah, it was a lot of beach this week. A lot. I spent a lot of time on the water. Got way too much sun. Did uh, did some irreparable damage to my liver, uh, but I do not regret it for a second. It was a, it was a uh, it was a great weekend. Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning came through. That was yeah. a, that was
0: that was one of those where I was, a wild I was nervous scene. going into that, and then yeah. like three holes in, I'm like, why didn't I empty a couple of accounts? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, as always, I'd be much better at gambling after the fact,
1: of course. Uh, same, um, and you know, it provided us with some pretty entertaining moments. Uh, Tom Brady sucking ass for five holes, and then holding that that uh, uh, that approach shot uh, on the sixth and splitting his pants. I mean, you can't really ask for a better quality of entertainment in today's age. I don't think so. That was well done. Twitter was on fire and, uh, you know, that good job to all parties involved in that, uh, especially Tiger and Peyton who came away with a win.
0: If, yeah. If that was a preview um, of what Twitter will be like, if Tom Brady doesn't play well, I cannot wait for the NFL season to come by and him to have a bad game or two.
1: Oh, it's going to be great. Um, But you know what I mean? You know what? Memorial Day weekend comes um, and summer is officially here, right? And this time of year, I'm always thinking about one thing the French Open, baby. The French Open of tennis should be (laughs) roaring right now. Roaring right now. And so let's get our uh, tennis tennis guest on, right? Let's get a tennis guest on and break down the French Open deep dive style record scratch uh oh Uh probably not gonna have tennis for a while uh and uh credit to uh, you know heroes emerge from various places in times of need you know people come out of the woodwork and just do amazing things for the you know for the for the public uh people people
0: throw the word hero around a
1: lot (laughs) (laughs) and credit to our guest this week who you know he, he saw an opportunity he was like you know what I'm used to writing tennis articles this time of year. I'm used to giving people outright winners in the tennis markets. Uh, I'm going to put my uh, my experience in this gambling space to, to work for people because there are still live sports being contested. And we're going to cover a new one today, namely NASCAR. And we welcome on our tennis friend at Big Ten Watto, who has pivoted. Full speed, 200 miles an hour pivot here, full speed into NASCAR handicapping. He is putting out unbelievably interesting to read and useful to, as a, from just from an experience standpoint, reading his articles on deepdivemedia.co, uh, handicapping these NASCAR races has been a pleasure to read, yeah. a joy to uh, experience some live sports with a little skin in the game. Uh, so we thank you for all of your contributions. Uh and uh Kelly at Big Ten Wato, welcome back to the deep dive.
2: Thanks for having me on, fellas. Andy was not kidding when he said long-winded introduction. <laughs> wow, you that didn't make the outline. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh I didn't see the tennis. Uh that was nice. And that was nice way. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <You're laughs> no, that uh it's it's funny too, like what, what Drew said there about uh you know just the, the level that your your breakdowns and your writing are at already it's like this must be what it was like to see you know mozart play at 5 <laughs> just you can tell right away like, this guy's got it <laughs> kelly was very very clear about us not toting him as a nascar yeah, expert let's settle down the, i think that's the point of this like you're not an expert you're a guy who's bet tennis for many 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 years we don't have tennis you, you know, you need you – know, it's hobby. It's a hobby for you. You enjoy it. You've done well on a few things. You've, you've made some money over the years with tennis and college football, a few other things. and
1: shaping outright market in tennis nowadays.
0: Yeah. I mean, what so what, what was the biggest reason outside of there's only so much available and you don't have tennis that so you just, you know, you picked NASCAR to kind of hone your craft and focus in on? I have unsuccessfully tried to
2: model – every sport under the sun in my seven or eight years of trying to gamble with my money. Um, I failed dramatically at baseball. Um, Mm -hmm. Major League Baseball was a disaster. Um, And I thought, well, you know, I could still pivot to a smaller league. So when they started up Korean baseball and what's the other one, the one I was actually betting, Taiwanese baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can do this. I can model this. No, I can't. So I shut that down. <laughs> Did not work out well. Um, and I, you know, lacking for action. Um, but I enjoy the process of building a model, studying a sport. And uh, I do watch NASCAR, however infrequently. My son is eight years old. He's a massive fan of NASCAR. He watches it all the time. It's the one thing on TV that can get him to sit in the same spot for two plus hours. So when they decided they were going to come back, I was like, Hey, that's a sport I'm going to watch at least probably 10 or 12 times over the course of the rest of the summer before tennis or baseball or hockey comes back. So can I model it? Can I figure it out? Can I bet on it? I really didn't even know how deep you could get into NASCAR. We have a friend in our tennis chat who I um, do talk to about NASCAR on a infrequent basis uh, John at Info Over Trends. Uh shout out to him. If you don't follow him, you should on Twitter. Um, I would ask him all the time. If I was going to be home on a Sunday and it's, you know, February or November or October when it's not um, hospitable to be outside in Canada, my Sunday includes watching football and watching NASCAR. That's what my son's going to watch over football. And I would text John and say, Hey, who should I throw 25 bucks on? Or who should I throw 50 bucks on? And he would give me two or three people and decided, you know, here's a hundred bucks to watch NASCAR for the day with my kid. And uh, so there's a lot more derivative markets you can bet on than just outrights. And I thought, well, I, sh- I should dig into this and I should build a model because I have all kinds of power on my hand now. So here you go.
1: Build I like it. Model. Well, <clears throat> beyond just the fact that uh, this gives you a creative outlet to write, which is hugely appreciated because I love reading your stuff. Uh, it is I feel like it's giving you kind of a little bit of an insight into how one goes about solving a problem. Right. Like this is kind of, you know, you, you can kind of read between the lines and and kind of glean uh, you know, someone who is a relative newcomer. Um, How do we attack this? How do we approach this? What are the key inputs? Like, how do we get some data, right? Like, these are all really useful questions that you're going to have to, you know, you as the listener, you as the sports better, if you want to make an endeavor into modeling, which if you haven't already tried, you should. If you've tried and hasn't worked out, as Kelly can attest, like find another sport and try again. Like this is, there's there's definitely instruction to be had in terms of kind of look, reading between the lines and evaluating your process and incorporating that into your own, your own thinking. Like have, have you um, taken any, did you take kind of an existing mental model for tennis or something else where you've had success and initially try to apply that to NASCAR?
2: Not at all. <laughs> I <Interesting>. thought about <laughs> right from scratch, man. Like I, uh, credit to you, to the deep dive to you guys, you know, went back and listened to some of your evergreen topics on how to build a model from scratch. Let's pretend I've never bet anything before in my life. What do I need to do? So go back and listen to the podcast you guys did. I watched some YouTube videos by another guest of yours, Captain Jack, who's talked about making a model and um, I listened to uh, some other podcasts on just betting. Like, I went back and listened to some of the stuff, the early stuff that um, the Australian guy, Jake, uh, put out.
1: Yeah, betting. uh, Where they were talking about,
2: like, building fucking horse racing models and shit. And, like, episode six of that, like, from three years ago, I went back and listened to some of that stuff. And I was like, okay, let's just, like, again, start from scratch and figure out – Like, what's the first thing? Inputs, right? That's what I came up with, same as what you were saying. And I have all these inputs in tennis. And I feel like maybe one of the reasons why I've struggled to convert betting on my gut or betting on my, the eye test to betting with a model in tennis is because I have all these like pre-existing like thoughts about tennis and what should be important and what should matter and what I should weight in a model because I've been, betting and watching tennis for a decade. Yeah. Well, I have none of that with NASCAR. I don't know anything other than like a handful of drivers and they just make a a bunch of left turns for three hours. That was it. So then I started reading material and I got to say, there's not a lot out there on NASCAR betting. There is a handful of people that bet it on Twitter that you can go and listen to their little three-minute uh, Periscopes or YouTube things um, there's one or two websites that like tout themselves as NASCAR betters. Um, that was kind of it so I looked at what they valued and then I did some really basic what do I think would make you win a race and then I went and tried to find that information I came up with like it's right in those articles that I write like I'm trying to be as transparent as possible Here's what I'm trying from day one. I've picked seven things I think are important. I show everything in the model as to, uh, in those articles as to what I'm putting into the model. I went and found all the information. There are some websites out there that you can delve into if you like want to dig deep. Um, in tennis, there's so much of it. Dive like, deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We don't dig, yeah. This is the deep dive, not the deep fake right. Kelly. That's
2: right. Get it right. Um, <laughs> in tennis, we have like this tennis abstract atp.com. Sure, there's Encore Info tennis Team
1: atp.com. A-t-p. What is that? That's a yeah. useless site. You want it on the aces go. Roger Federer has? You can go to <laughs> atp.com. The tennis abstract, yeah. though, is an absolute veritable pot of gold. Did you find yeah. the tennis abstract.com for NASCAR?
2: Not really. Um, I found Two different websites that I would assume most NASCAR betters know about, and uh, that would be Racing Reference and Drivers Averages. Mm. Um, neither one has like everything you need. I feel like it's still it's it's less than tennis. Like in tennis, I would use Tennis Abstract, I would use uh, Flash Score, I would use Tennis Explorer, I would use Tennis Teen Like Any said, there's like four different websites that get you where you want to get to. But in NASCAR, there's only two and all, there's a whole bunch of questions I have that are unanswerable as far as I can tell at this Mm. point in time, because the data is just not out there.
1: Mm.
2: So I took what data I could find based on the, you know, I, I came up with like 11 things that I thought were important. I could actually only find a metric on seven of them. And I have pumped those seven things into a formula and said, you know, I'm going to weight this as the most important thing and I'm going to work my way down to the thing I think is the least important out of the seven and come up with a number. And I think, you know, what's exciting is the first time I did it, I was all over the map and then I was like, okay, like I checked the markets and didn't work out. I was like, okay, let, let's rethink this a little bit. And the second time I put together the numbers with a weighting system, I was really fucking close.
1: Okay. Got it. So you feel like, uh, through trial and error of your coefficients for your various inputs, you basically got to where the market, uh, you know, kind of the opening numbers for the market are more or less. Yeah. I got to nice
2: like uh, a point where I think you can see, I post my odds versus the sports books odds and the arts, like I've only done three,
0: but that's the three articles that I did, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's only three. I, I was, like I, I don't know what to ask. say. You know, I was gonna ask, how many races have you done so far? There's it only, three. only took
1: you It only took you to race three though to get a booyah.
0: That's right. Yep. Ten to one.
2: What about <laughs> what about Harvick in the first race? Yeah, I, I kind of missed on that one. I don't know I mean. <laughs> yeah.
1: but so, this, Anyway.
2: Andy, so let me ask you a quick question. Like it's, it's, I feel like I got screwed in the second one because I had Chase Elliott and he got fucking Crashed and it was two laps to go,
1: or whatever. It was. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. Those things happen. Um, Andy, does this ring true to your experience when you kind of were, you know, popping your cherry with a golf model?
0: Yeah, and it's so funny, Kelly. I thought about this too when I talked to, and I talked to a lot of people that bet a shitload more golf than me, and they're a lot smarter and know more, and have been doing it for longer. And one of them, uh, Haven Brown, he's co host with J Maz. On the, uh, on the, what do we want to call that? For Profit. For Profit. Yeah. Yeah. The podcast they do about golf. Obviously they're not doing it right now with no golf on, but he, he said like, I didn't understand what he was talking about at first, but he said, he's like, I just love how you, it came off. Like he said, like, I love how you don't know shit about these golfers and I'm just like what? He's like no like in a good way. He's like you know he was trying to like basically say i don't yeah. have preconceived notions yeah. about some of these individuals like like kelly said with tennis he's like he's like you're just coming to this so fresh eyed and you don't have any of those biases that are hitting you he's like and you're just you're just going off your numbers and you know only adjusting if you know, I, I was run it by other people like, hey, is, am I missing anything here when I was new? And he's like, yeah, you just, you don't have like golfers you hate or love yet. It's he's like, it's a good place <laughs> to be. And I, I, think, I think that's, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, to, time will ruin that, but it, it's fun at the beginning when you just be like, you know some people like oh man why are you betting on that guy he sucks and like i cuz my spreadsheet said so i don't know man What i got I'm trying here so it's it's interesting the the arc and i guess i don't know as far as kelly goes you know you said you took your 11 criteria you whittled it down to 7 by no choice of your own just the information you could find you did your first race like how much have you adjusted just over the three races? Like How, how much have you learned and made adjustments for already? Well, I think there's, there's two parts to that. The first thing that's
2: exciting to me, um, like when we were talking about the odds I created with my model, um, one of the things that has emboldened me to keep going is, if you look at the drivers who I picked to win the very first race at Darlington two weeks ago, those drivers, nobody won. Like, I got that race wrong. I didn't get an outright on that race, but the head to heads did well. And all those drivers, their prices have continued to decline. Chase Elliott was 11 to 1 in Darlington. And my model had him at like five and a half or six to 1, like almost half the market. And I was excited. I bet him outright. I bet him on a bunch of head to heads. And he didn't win, but he came close to winning Darlington the Wednesday night. And then he came close to winning again this past Sunday, his odds for the upcoming race tomorrow night or Wednesday night, whenever this pod airs are five to one. His, the market has almost come to my numbers, which is kind of exciting. Like head of the curve on Cheez Elliott. That's so I, I like that part of it. Um, the thing I'm changing as I move forward is trying to add more metrics. One of the metrics that I was able to get after the first race and add to the original seven is lap times. Um,
1: that seems like a first order metric.
2: <laughs> yeah, you would think, but there was there wasn't any races, right? Like, I didn't sure, have yeah, okay, to add okay. To. Oh,
0: yeah, that is a, okay. It, we're so, in a weird time with the the fact that there was such a huge, you know, weird layoff. Yeah, I'm almost starting from the beginning of a new season, so I Got was it. able to
2: take um, the lap times from Darlington and add them in as a metric for Darlington part two, and then take lap times from Darlington part two and add them in for the Charlotte race on Sunday. And the other thing I've changed the most is recency, um, which I've been thinking about nonstop since last Wednesday. Like, I can think it's something I'm lacking massively in my tennis that is. I've, I've told you that for years. <laughs> <laughs> Slow learner. Uh, I think I I just haven't been waiting like I obviously account for recency but maybe I'm not waiting it properly on in a tennis court and I think I've properly waited it in NASCAR at least you know tentatively it's all, again it's been three fucking races so uh,
1: Can you tell me what you mean by recency you mean just basically like a heat index like a guy who is racing well and is racing with confidence yes. and his his team is doing well like they are, they just tend they're overperforming uh, so, a couple of weeks in a row you have some heat index on them or something
2: this is what I'm doing. Let me bring up my little spreadsheet here. This is going to make for boring fucking radio
1: because you can't That's okay. That's okay. This uh, this checks out though because current form is massively important in my model that I use for tennis. (laughs) Like the current form and that I I, I kind of extract current form based on like, you know, how well you're, you know, basically like, it's it's entirely dependent on um, your strength of your opponent. Right. But if you're playing really well against tough opposition and not getting results, like those are the guys that I'm super high on going forward. Like, you know, like, oh, they're going to be undervalued in the market because the market just looks up and sees a bunch of L's. But like these were competitive matches against really good players, you know, like that's those are the ones I salivate over. And it sounds like you're kind of it were in the same boat with Elliot, Right. Like he was racing really well in that uh, in that second uh, Darlington race uh, until he crashed out at the end. Right.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You're so much more succinct and concise than I am. Jesus. Maybe that's why you host a podcast. That's, that's, that's probably what it is. Right. That makes sense.
1: Sure. Sure.
2: Um, So what I'm looking at is lap time averages, right. Uh, You know, 250 ish laps, like just generalized, like, you know, one race was 600 miles. One race was 400 miles. They do 200 to 250-ish laps around the track, depending on how long the race is. Chase Elliott is a great example, right? Didn't win any of the three races that have happened so far in the you know pandemic restart, but he has a top five. He was fifth in average lap time in Darlington number one. He was second in average lap time in Darlington number two, and he was fourth in average lap time at Charlotte on Sunday. He's a top five driver. And he wasn't priced like that in the very first race in Darlington. He was 11 to 1. Now he's 5 to 1 for the upcoming Charlotte race. That's amazing to me. So then I want to look at who is a top 10 racer based on um, lap time averages for the last three races that doesn't have great odds. Right? Who hasn't the market identified just like you, right? They didn't win any of these races. They got a bunch of L's on their record, but they're really good. Like yeah. that's why Martin Truex has such a good price, right? He's got great lap times in all three races, hasn't won any of them, but the market's identified that. So okay.
1: can I one, can I interrupt you for real quick? Do you, is yeah. lap time is it indicating who is a good driver, or does it indicate at that moment who has a good car?
2: I so I don't know enough about cars yet and equipment and gear to know the answer to that. If you talk to like a a racing fan, uh, there's plenty of people that have reached out through DMs and replies to my tweets so far who have said stuff that like um, you would, you would know about tennis by saying this guy's got Boris Becker as a coach. I give him a small increase in rating over the next guy who's got Joe Smith as his coach. A tennis fan would know that. A NASCAR, like there's been plenty of people that have reached out to me and said, that guy races for Joe Gibbs racing or Hendrick Motorsports. over this person. They have better equipment. Mm. It's a really broad phrase. I don't really fucking know (laughs) what they mean by
1: better equipment. Like maybe they're cheating. Who knows? No, I'm just kidding. I I don't know.
2: To quote like to quote days of thunder, Andy's favorite movie. Stock car is a stock (laughs) car. It's supposed to be right. Yeah. Um, There's obviously things I don't know yet about (laughs) what makes them better. Because if you look at, at driver's ratings and teams, Gibbs Racing and Hendrick Motorsports, they do better than a guy who drives for Joe Smith's racing team. Mm. So there is something gen- like inherently better about that group of drivers and their equipment. But there's no metric I can go get sure. to say, Joe Gibbs's equipment is rated this. Mm. So I have to just throw that out and not include it in my model. I don't care who they drive for, at least at this time. Maybe that's something I'm going to add down the road. Uh, But right now, I'm I'm treating it as if everybody's driving the same car.
0: Okay. I've I've run into stuff like that, too, where it's like I know something maybe is going to need to be taken into account or could be used to add another layer of context to things. But, like, sometimes you just have to do what Kelly does. and Like, I don't know how right now. I don't know if it's affecting it enough where I need to spend the time trying to quantify this, nor maybe will I ever quantify it and maybe should be spending my time doing something else to improve this rather than trying to chase this down. And, you know, it, like you said, it, people who know more about racing have spent more time with it, know more about this. Maybe it's just something that you're going to add or maybe reverse. It might just be a bias that hinders you later on. Like. You might want to not know about this. You know, I'm not on What if it
2: becomes like one of the biases I have in tennis? Mm. What if the market's wrong about all this? And all these people that are betting NASCAR are betting it based on the team. And it doesn't mean squat.
1: Well, I don't know. I feel like we can amplify this example and take it to another sport like college football. And, you know, the recruiting pool that Alabama gets is a shitload better than Vanderbilt. Right? Well, you can and put a metric on that, though. You, there's no reason you couldn't for a team, you know, for a racing team, right? I mean, you can parameterize any of this stuff. It can be a multiplier. It can be 10, you know, you can bump them 10%. It could be a 5%. It could be 2%. It may be a very small impact. Yeah. Uh, you can, once you get enough data, you can actually back test this and calculate what it ought to be. If, if anything, if you find there's no correlation at all, then that's an answer that's useful in and of itself, right? But to a degree, there's something to be said about just the overall strength of the uh, kind of the underlying architecture, the you know, the backbone, like the bones of this team are strong, right? And for yeah, those reasons, like, you know, and they have is- the better pit crew guys, maybe they have better, you know, the little bit better air done. They know they, they can see the car, uh, engineering sees the car, they know the couple tweaks that they need to make. If they see that it's not doing certain things well, right? Or they know for a given track that, hey, we know, our car at this track will do well if we do this to it. Like, There's definitely, there has to be some long-term signal, I would guess, uh, if I, you look at just team, team weight.
2: Yeah, I tried to account for the stuff you're talking about by including pit, not pit crews, but just the crew chief in okay. the um, metrics. Two of the metrics I talk about in every article is the crew chief's performance. Because crew chiefs are like, tennis coaches is it the way I have like approximated it in my mind. They move around like the same driver doesn't have the same crew chief for his whole career. They change. So sure. I'm tracking not just the driver's performance at each track, but the crew chief's performance at each track. And I mean, maybe I've weighted it too much. Maybe I've weighted it too little. Um, I would like to think I'm overweighting it to compensate for the fact that I don't know shit about their teams or their equipment.
1: You know what? Just what you're describing it actually sounds like you probably could be double counting it if uh, if you because because i you know I would guess that in general the crew chiefs have some sort of allegiance to the team owners, right? I mean, I like as one crew chief always with has always been a Joe Gibbs Racing guy. He's just moved around from driver to driver.
2: Jesus, I am literally taking down notes as you're talking about.
1: Me. <laughs> okay. Because we'll get to the of
2: I like went back and looked at 10 years' <laughs> worth of data and I tracked every driver at every track and every crew chief at every track. And what I could have done at the same time was written down the fucking owners of each team mm. while I was doing that. Yeah. And I could have figured out the correlation <sighs> what owners are- had what yeah, yeah, I start fucking right back to scratch. I gotta go back and look. Cause the, you, Yeah. The, Crew chiefs could just change drivers, but work for the same owner.
1: You're totally right. Okay, so you're what you're going to have to explore now is between owner, just like in horse racing, between uh, between owner, trainer, jockey, and the horse itself. Like there's covariance between all of these different parameters, right? And so for sure, you have to be a little conscientious when you're coming up with your weighting that you're not double, triple counting. Arbitrarily, so there's a little bit of an art to that, but that's uh, uh that sounds like something where a little you're notebook
0: at, here that <laughs> yeah. I keep my racing yeah. notes in. I like it. I you, like it. Yeah. yeah, you're 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 really doing it, Cal.
1: Do you have an example of um, something that you waited in race one or race two that you've already thrown out after just the eye test didn't didn't bear it out as meaningful?
2: Um, yeah, two things. Um, so at first, like I was really worried about weather. And, um, time of year. Uh, so a lot of these tracks, because there's only like, so in tennis, there's fuck, I don't know, 40 weeks and three <laughs> tournaments a week. And there's, they're all at different venues, right? Sure. Um, the venue matters in race car driving, which I appreciate. It's awesome. It makes it interesting to cap like tennis, but there's only so many racetracks. So they visit most of these tracks twice a year
0: they mm. do a spray in a fall.
2: And then they do varying distances. So they might go to Daytona and do the Daytona 500 and they go do Daytona again. And they do like the Daytona 300 or whatever. Right. Um, so all of a sudden I was really worried about, do you perform well at Darlington in May? And then do you perform well at Darlington in November? Because it's raced twice a year. Um, and Charlotte's the same way. Atlanta is the same way. Um, Daytona is the same way. Uh, different lengths, different times a year. If you're at Daytona in February and you're at Daytona in July, there's got to be a temperature difference. Like I know it's still in Florida, but I mean, it's still no, it's big.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: So, originally um, I, I cared a lot about that. Uh, I think I overweighted it in the first race. And to be honest, I didn't weight it at all in the third race. So, mm. um, chucked it out for now. Uh, I might have to add that back in. I had the data. I could add it back in any a new time, but I'm not going to use it going forward for the immediate future. And uh, what was the other thing I threw out? Oh, average start position. So Uh, this is such an example of wasted fucking effort that a gambler, modeler would put in. But I went back and figured out everybody, where they finished and where they started. And then I started filtering for if you finish in the top five, what was your average start position? You finish in the top 10, what was your average start position? And I did that for every track. Every race, every driver. I don't think it fucking means anything.
0: I think yeah, they're just <laughs> thinking about that, you would think there's a lot of context missing as far as like how many race, you know, how many drivers actually finished that race, you know, what, what sort of things happened as far as I mean just yeah, everything think, else. Like I think I just I,
2: didn't know enough about it. Like um, like so the guy that won the race on Wednesday night or on Sunday that I was right about, Brad Kozlowski. He gets a penalty before the race even starts. And he goes from starting 7th or 8th to dead last. And he has to start 40th. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, oh, my God. He's, you know, thankfully got 600 laps to make it up.
1: But What happened to his odds?
2: I don't know. It is really hard to find a book that is live odds in a race when um, the race is actually going on,
1: mm-hmm. so, but, but just pre and post qualifying. Lines, like, oh, 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 oh I'm sorry, I'm too. sorry. You're, he got the penalty early in the race itself. I had to go. No, to no back. like
2: right as the race was starting, it was an.
1: Okay, so it wasn't you. Okay, okay. But I there guess just just in a general sense, have you noticed pre and post qualifying? So they they qualify and they get their slots, right?
2: Yeah. So so this is the issue with that. There hasn't been any qualifying or practice.
1: Okay. Since I got we it. came
2: back from uh, COVID-19. I wrote a
0: question about qualifying in practice, and I forgot all about that part. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I forgot all about that. Ex- explain. I mean, go over that. Start with the, the COVID changes. Call this whole part COVID changes. Sure. The fact that we have a compressed schedule. Talk about that, which maybe is a dumb question, too, because the question is, how are you adjusting the compressed schedule? man who's never bet NASCAR the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean just in your mind are you doing anything are you are you thinking about the fact that the schedule is compressed and then also yeah, 100% the so, fact that they're not doing qualifying and practicing
2: I'll talk about all that briefly for a second here first there's usually one race a week most of the year there are some unique ones that are held on Saturday nights or like Thursday nights or whatever but you know 95% of the time Sunday afternoons race time Um, they're now doing them twice a week for the immediate future Sunday Wednesday Um, from what I understand again brand new to this but you're looking at like a Thursday Friday practice Saturday qualifying or Wednesday Thursday practice Friday qualifying race on Sunday Um, odds change after practices odds change again after qualifying and then there's like late announced penalties. Andy benefited from a late announced penalty on the very first race of the restart here on Sunday, last Sunday uh, at Darlington. Um, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick were head to head. That was what it was, I think. And they announced Kyle Busch got a penalty and he went to the back of the pack and nobody changed their odds. And I went in, I was talking to John about it in our tennis chat. And he's like, oh, fuck, look at that goes and smart guy that he is. (laughs) Cherry picks a fucking stale line and he's a genius. Cause I wasn't thinking about that.
0: Like, I mean, Kyle Bush went from third to 40th before the race even started. It turns Mm. out he's still good. He's very good. Like he put put the fear of God in me a few times. Lucky we had some, he had some pitting and wheel problems, which worked out good. There um, (laughs) is an amazing ability of people to move back through the field.
2: Mm. Um, I did not expect that. And when Kozlowski got the penalty on Wednesday, I was like worried and I didn't go look at odds because I don't think I would have bet him.
1: Okay. If,
2: if you had told me 30 seconds before the race started, Hey, Kozlowski's now gone from starting ninth to starting 40th. You and still you can have your stake back. I would have said, yeah, give me my money back.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause I didn't think
2: he would be able to come all the way back from 40th. Like again, novice to this, not understanding the ability of a good driver, good pitch changes, be good equipment. Back to the good equipment thing to move all the way back through the field, and it, it's not like he did it in 200 laps. Like he only led for 20 laps of the race.
1: He I see now. Okay,
2: back to the very end.
1: Got it. The, the, we're, you're pointing out, which I think is important to identify, is that there may be a couple of things going on with your with your starting order. Right. Like you could have a great racer in a sick car, maybe the best car on the track that day, and he could have a penalty and he starts at the back. Right. So he can have a a 40th, but that doesn't mean like he has, you know, it doesn't indicate the same thing as a a poor racer with a dump of a car who earned his qualifying spot 39th. Right. Like those are two very different, uh, you know, two very different scenarios so that. In, that just adds noise to the data set, which may make it difficult to find the correlation between uh, racing, you know, starting position and, and performance. Because you know, like you said, like, if you happen to have the best car that day and you start at the end or in the middle or the wherever, if you, if you just have a great car, but you have a sucky qualifying and you get you know 12th instead of where you ought to be first, like it shouldn't really impact your performance on race day. Because like you said, there's enough time, there's enough laps, so you can make up the difference. You should be able to if you are the best.
2: I think the way to take advantage of that moving forward is to have your pre race odds, your pre race setup is what you want. Watch the first few races. And then, like, I've yet to figure out the right book that has ongoing, flowing in the moment odds. Um, I've asked around a couple of times. People have said bet online. People have said DraftKings. I don't have access to DraftKings. Bet online, I tried. It was, they have these little fucking lock symbols over the numbers for almost the entire race. And whenever it was opened up, it was so fleeting, I couldn't get in on it. Um, But I would love to find a book that has flowing live odds. Bet on Bet 365, I have access to, had shittier odds than Bet Online, shittier odds than Circuit, shittier odds than almost everybody that I've looked at for NASCAR odds. Their odds are open, there but goes they were also the 365 advertising deal. Yeah, it takes a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: No, well, it's a good read. They're terrible. I've <laughs> given them enough money over the years. They should sponsor anything I get <laughs> just out of goodwill. Canadian um, Rec Book. Yeah. Uh, their odds were also fleeting, like they kept turning them off. So I think the way to handle it would be if you knew a car was dominant and they got a penalty during the race. And got pushed to the back of the field, you could jump on them. The issue mm-hmm. is I think books are just as aware as you are. Sure. Yeah. As to who's going no to car or not. Yeah. And they don't yeah. drop the odds enough. Like yeah. the odds might go from five to one to eight to one. That's not enough. They mm. so need to be substantial change.
1: You opened the door here for some market questions, which are always my favorite to ask. And these are obviously going to be pretty hard for you who is only three weeks into this. But um, what do you... <laughs> 10 days. What, 10 days. Races. This, have you gotten a sense of who the market makers are? How much the odds change between the first numbers that you see and when they start to get a little bit more mature? Um, is it important to get down early? What are the various markets that uh, are can you know can be exploited here? Like, is there is there a you know like a player prop market that's akin to uh you know like or golf golf matchups market that uh, you can dive into if you are you know maybe not uh, if you're not uh, willing to get and jump into the outright pool, which is a a obviously (laughs) comes along with a lot more difficult you know participants.
2: So Circa is the first book to open, as far as I can tell. They are open almost immediately after the previous race, or like within, a, I don't know, six, ten hours uh, for the next race. Five Dimes is second most times, as far as I can tell.
1: Are be copying the odds from Circa, as far almost as you 100%, tell?
2: Almost 100%. Okay. Yep, All exactly right. the same odds. And then the rest of the books follow... Uh, at a 24-hour marker, Bet365, uh, Bet, 365, Bet Online, um, and then you're, like, the ones that are, like, 48 hours out, like, Bookmaker. Um, what else do I have access to? Uh,
0: heritage. Talk heritage. about Heritage.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, try not to use them too much. Uh, they are, yeah, much later. Um, I... Oh, use my company's American address to open a circa account. Can't put any money in it, but I can monitor the odds uh, at all times. So that's good. I keep that up. So you live in Delaware Delaware. as well now? Kind of. Don't tell (laughs) anyone that. I don't know how many listeners we have to do that these days. But um, the uh, so yeah, circa first, then five dimes, then everybody else when it comes to outrights. There the other prop markets or the derivative markets are just like golf. Um, okay. They are, uh, you're looking at head-to-heads, you're looking at top threes, top fives, uh, even top, top tens. They have uh, those grouping bets too. And they I have like grouping those. bets. Yeah. So I explored grouping bets live on Wednesday uh, afternoon for, or no, it was this past Sunday, Sunday afternoon. They had qualifying for the first time at Charlotte and um, thinking that qualifying would matter uh, I was like, I'm going to watch qualifying. So I fucking sat down at two o'clock <laughs> on the afternoon on Sunday and I watched NASCAR qualifying mm-hmm. and I had a spreadsheet up and I was plugging in everybody's qualifying times as it was happening. And I live bet two grouping outrights based on qualifying times. Um, and one of them won and one of them, the guy finished 10th and the other guy finished ninth. And so I lost that one. <laughs> Oof. Interesting um, Interesting to live bet that as it was happening because people left the grouping odds up. Funny enough, outright odds came down and head-to-head matchups came down for qualifying, but those grouping bets Andy was talking about were
0: up. <clears throat> nice. So
2: I don't know if that's nice. by the bookmakers and they're going to change that
0: or if that's something <laughs> they always do. Is like you know, know what sucks do. about finding an edge in live betting? You just don't get to do it all that long. Yeah. Well, but it, it, it sounds like having found, found something during
2: qualifying very long. That seems like it was a mistake, but it worked out well. Hmm. Um hit Kurt Blush plus plus one eighty-five to win his group. And did it, which great. We uh, so last
0: week, last week we talked when it was just us. What was that, our mishmash conversation there? I kind of got to thinking. It was kind of something on the fly. We talked about like a ratio of qualitative analysis versus quantitative you know you take your stats versus your uh, opinions context whatever and we you know we kind of agreed that every sport's a little different like there's a ratio of it you know this one I'm just going much heavier with the quantitative you know I'm going to use my stats almost exclusively like how much of that are you using at all as far as opinion just because you don't have a ton of opinions yet and, you know, you're, you're using just a ton of stats, it seems like. I guess the one thing that jumps out at me would that maybe wouldn't be completely stats-based is, like, tracks. Uh, you know, I'm sure you have different, different numbers for different tracks or at least different types of tracks, but, I mean, is there some context you're putting to some of your numbers based on that, saying just, like, uh, you know, I have these stats, but it's a different kind of track. I don't know if I can trust these kind of numbers. So I would say that my... Um, analysis
2: and my model is like 95% quantitative. It is all numbers. It is almost no opinions. Even when you're talking about tracks, um, like tennis courts, uh, people perform better on different tracks. The tracks all have groupings. And I tried to show that in a couple of the articles that I wrote. I posted the information that I found. Um, They're all different distances they all have different bankings in the corners, um, like different degrees of uh, the way the track is tilted. Um, And so I tried to put together the stats for each track. So if you do good at tracks where the banking is over 20 degrees, I put all those tracks and all those results in one bucket. If you do good on tracks where the, the degrees of banking on the straightaways and the corners is flat. Like New Hampshire is a flat track, basically. It's like two degrees all the way around. Um, still an oval, right? Um, I put all those in one spot, right? Uh, I think for Phoenix or Las Vegas, one of those is really flat too. Put them in one bucket. And then there's like the really short tracks that are tight, and there's, you know, Bristol, there's all these accidents and stuff put that in one bucket. So I tried to even be quantitative with the track analysis mm. because I don't know anything about them. Like I literally had to sit down and google all the 17 or 18 different tracks and write it down. This track is this many miles long, this has this kind of banking in the well, first corner, second corner, third corner, and then compare them because I I figured it would be like tennis where there's, you know, 15 different clay venues, but it's still clay. Sure.
1: Right? Yeah, you can and tell us why uh, you can tell us why Nadal is good on Philip Chatrier. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. But you can't tell us why Kenseth is good on Darlington or whatever.
2: Maybe I I'll be able to figure that out, but I, I can't tell you that now. I can just look at it and say yes, Kansas has had a track record of ten years of doing good on Darlington. So and I, then I so that I'm not being too judgmental. I compare Darlington to other tracks that are like it. So I find like what I did was group them together, find three other tracks that are kind of close to Darlington or kind of close to Charlotte, which are Atlanta and, and Texas and say, does Matt Kenseth still do good at those tracks? Sure. He does. So he's good at tracks with a 20 degree banking. I can trust those stats. I can be quantitative with them. I don't need to have uh, like a qualitative analysis of that. I can just, Trust that I think anyway that I can trust the true.
0: <laughs> I like if, there's a lot of I think. <laughs> I know. A lot no, but whatever. no, this totally checks out. That's how you
2: start. I mean, that's. I mean, if, a lot of, if I lose a shit ton of money over the next three weeks, and it'll prove I'm wrong. But uh, <laughs> I I tried to group it that way, and the only qualitative stuff I've thrown in would be um, like you mentioned. How am I trying to filter for the fact that there's two races a week now instead of one? If you look at my betting, I actually took Matt Kenseth in the first race at Darlington, because he had, like Whale said, great stats across these kind of tracks. I didn't bet him in the last two races because he's 42 fucking years old, and he hasn't <laughs> raced for 18 months. So are you. Yeah, Yeah. well, I'm not driving a race car. <laughs> so I figured, you know, he's going to tire out, he's out of shape, he's older. Like, that might be wrong, but that's my, like, intuitive sure. gut think. So I just, even though he showed as having value, I didn't bet him because, you know, qualitatively, I was just like, I don't trust the numbers here. I've got a, I've got a question.
0: Did you watch Ford versus Ferrari? No. What? <laughs> Did, I? Did you? No. Have you not seen that? No. Oh wow, wow, Kelly. Shocking. Do I need to get on it? No. Like, if it's you like, if you liked,
1: uh, if you liked the, uh, the Tom Cruise one, you definitely like that one.
0: Yeah, you kind of ruined my. You ruined my question. I was going to ask about the the. Well, they taped the yarn to the car? But obviously, you have no answer. No, I sure don't. I didn't expect it to either.
1: Yeah, how about de- Days of Thunder or Talladega Nights? You a Days of Thunder guy?
2: Yeah, I love Days of Thunder. Yeah, it's
1: fantastic. You still have a soft spot for Nicole Kidman.
2: No, <laughs> what? She's kind of I hot. Man. Nicole Kidman's kind of weird looking. Stop if the they... cock, oh, Yeah, now maybe, but not then. I think no. Tom Cruise has been unlucky with his leading ladies because the chick in what's Kelly McGinness in Top Gun? Ugh. it's not, it's not she, good. she was all right. Hmm. A lot of better choices out there, I think, for in
0: both roles. Anyway, I'm sure we're not talking about <laughs> Tom Cruise's leading ladies. There's some hot ones in the in the what do you call it? Mission Impossible.
1: <laughs> yeah, they sure are. Uh Emily Blunt in uh, Edge of Tomorrow. That movie fucking rules. That's a fucking great grills. fucking movie. Yeah. Great
0: movie. Yeah. Have you seen anyway. Risky Business?
2: <laughs> I,
0: don't know. Her her yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know her name, but uh-huh. I loved her. She's also great gonna... Three Musketeers, if you want to get on that. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> God, yeah, I can't believe I had a question about qualifying in practice. I knew, legitimately, I, I knew that, too. Like You brought that up to me once. Well, I can talk about the qualifying
2: that happened on Sunday. Like, I tracked it. I watched it live. I tried to bet off it in those groupings. But if you look at the results of the tracking uh, of qualifying, it didn't mean anything. <clears throat> like, the, the end results um, at Charlotte, let I me mean, I have that here. So, Matt Kenseth, the, back to him, he qualified fourth, finished 26th. Austin Dillon qualified fifth finished 14th. Logano qualified 6th, finished 13th. Like, I don't know if it meant anything. Ryan Blaney qualified 27th, finished 3rd.
0: Hmm.
2: Like, okay. I think in general, you can say, you know, the bottom four, 13 guys all finished in the 20s and 30s. So maybe you can chuck out the bottom 10 cars in qualifying. But I mean, I don't, don't know if it gives you, again, it's one race. One example, Um, the first two races at Darlington didn't have any qualifying, Um, but it didn't tell me a whole lot. I won't base any, uh, it's not a metric I'm going to suddenly add to my formula uh, immediately. I'm going to have to track it for a few more races. Um, Not something I'm eager to bet based on.
1: Mm. Let's talk about drivers a little bit. So um, I know from your tennis articles through the years and some of the outrights you, you hit uh, you're you kind of have a nose for like an up and coming guy, you know, a younger guy. Nobody really knows him. Uh he's priced at twenty to thirty to one. He's got a favorable draw. Like if this breaks right, he's you know, he's got a semifinal in him, and then we'll figure out what to do next. Right. Like, is there uh, an angle you can carry into looking at sort of the middle to longer shots in terms of how you choose the guys you want to be, you know, you want to actually put Few outright futures on versus guys you just want to say, hey, look, I think this guy's better than the market thinks, so I'm going to try to attack him from a matchup standpoint?
2: Yeah, um, not yet. Uh, I think I had that with Chase Elliott early. Again, it's only been three races. Um, the market's obviously corrected his odds now. He's 5-1 to one to win uh, tomorrow night. Um, most of the names of the second and third and fourth year guys, the younger guys, um, people already know. And it doesn't seem like rookies, like raw rookies really have any success uh, mm. uh, in NASCAR like there's six or seven guys that are first year raw rookie drivers this year and they get crushed every race like they finish way out of the way off the pace they, their average lap times are up in the 32s, 33s mm. um, they uh, yeah, there's, there's not a guy that who I am like, nobody knows who this guy is I'm going to bet him Um, I will say this, Tyler Reddick is, uh, I just want to look up his age here. So he's, again, not a surprise because he finished eighth uh, on Sunday, but he's 24. There you go, Mm -hmm. 24. That's not even that young. Um, And It's different
0: than tennis where you don't have, I mean, there's Xfinity, there's trucks and stuff, and I'm sure there's people all over driving on dirt tracks trying to make it but like there isn't such a a deep level of the lower levels that you're keeping track of that you can keep track of like, man, you know, we can bet on ITF stuff. These people are ranked like thousands in the world and that stuff's available on, all sorts of books. It's not like, oh, I can get that on some, you know, one X bet or something. Like, you can bet that on pretty much a, a ton of the American-facing books, really low-level tennis, and you can really keep an eye out for some of those guys. And I know some, you know, besides yourself, like our guy Vinny over there in Deutschland, boy, he puts out lists like that every spring of just, here's like... 30 people, I think, that might uh, take some steps this year. And you see, yeah, people, and those guys are like 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. He's keeping track. And uh, yeah, with tennis, you know, a lot of them are just high school kids. Like, hey, this guy might jump from like a thousandth to like 300th this year. And the other reason why there's, there's noise, like no one un- unknowns in
2: NASCAR, as far as I can tell, is the uh, lower circuits that Andy's talking about. There's so much crossover. Like, there was, I don't know, 10 guys that were in the NASCAR race on Sunday that were in the Xfinity race. It's hmm. a third uh-huh. of the field. So okay. there's not a, there's not like a guy who's not doing well in Xfinity who's suddenly going to do amazing on the NASCAR circuit.
1: Like Challenger ATP.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's no, there doesn't seem to, again, like keep saying this, super limited uh, exposure to this, but there's no guy that's at the a, a challenger level who's winning three tournaments at 19 years of age, and then jumping up to the pro, like the ATP level, and people are like I don't really know who this guy is, and people in our tennis chat are betting him like crazy. Like that doesn't sure. seem to exist in NASCAR because if they're doing well at Xfinity, it's at the same fucking track as the NASCAR race.
1: Sure, everybody's Not like seen
2: they're it. playing in Bolivia. And nobody knows it's happening. And Vinny's like, hey, Kelly, Andy, uh, this guy won this tournament in Bolivia. You should bet him next week when he's in Quito. Like, that's stuff that actually happened to us. And that's not going to happen in NASCAR. The Xfinity yeah. race is held either the next night or the night before at the same track.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. We've talked about this on the, you know, on sure. the ball boys before that on, on a given week, it's probably more than 15. Like there's 20 tennis tournaments going on a week. If you go down deep enough and you include the women, which I guess we should, it's 2020, but like you, you know, you have a lot of stuff going on and uh, it doesn't get the, the publicity. Cause you know, everyone, Hey, we're going to watch, you know, we're going to watch Queens. We're not going to watch the 15th, Clay Challenger in Italy that, that month, <laughs> like Columbus, or Columbus Challenger yeah. 8, you know, they just, <laughs> the, the lower level, they they use like the same 10 sites all year long. They're all in just Italy. But I mean, there's a lot, the people that are paying attention can make some hay And it. It sucks that uh, like racing apparently isn't that way. But I mean, I mean, maybe down the line, you'll find something along those lines, somebody as they move up into Xfinity and start making a little noise, it'll be I guess, I, something to monitor.
2: Yeah, what I tried to look for was those long shots. Like, in tennis, you have these 250-level events where, um, how do you say this nicely? The good players just don't show up. And you can hit, like, uh, Nishioka wins Antalya, or uh, Mirza Basic wins in Sofia. And he's, like, 50-1 to to win that tournament. And everybody in the tournament, like, the highest-ranked guy is 25th in the world. There's no NASCAR races where Kyle Busch is not showing up. Like he comes to every tournament or every race. So there's no chance for a guy who's a hundred to one to sneak out a title because the top three drivers aren't there. There are ample tournaments where in tennis, the top 10
1: guys aren't there. This is great. So this like, kind of answered a question that I had for you, which was like, what do you do about data gaps? Like, you know, a guy you don't have a ton of race information on, if he emerges, is that a blind spot that could catch you by surprise? It sounds like just by nature, the way that the sport works, it lends itself to not having to worry about that too much, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, you're going to see a guy coming a mile away. You know, it, there's not going to be like a data gap or a, you know, a blind spot in just somebody who's not super experienced, right?
2: there could be a blind spot in top threes, top fives, top tens, maybe in head to heads. Mm -hmm. I don't think, so I went back and looked at previous races to see, should I be betting on these guys that are a hundred to one? Because whatever I did with my model, however much I played around with it, because even though I found like a weighting that I liked in my second attempt, I still did like 10 iterations of it to see if I could get tighter, get further away, change it up a bit. Because what I can't seem to do is get the back half of the order right. Like the, okay. the guys who are from five to one to 30 to one, I can get pretty close on their odds, but from like 50 to one to a thousand to one, if I just bet blindly on my model, I would bet every single driver that's at a thousand to one because mm-hmm. I can't get my model to push them out that far. Got it. And I think it's because of what we're talking about. There's just no way to, Quantitatively, say Kyle Bush is this much better than BJ McLeod.
1: It could be used, you could use a log scale as opposed to a linear scale, which could help you get there. Um, yeah. the sounds uh, like yeah, sort of, I was thinking
0: that. about like because we that actually came up with somebody with my college basketball, and it's like, hey, yeah, I know you want to bet Chicago State every, every single game, like because that my numbers just can't because I am you know mostly linear, it just can't describe quite how bad Chicago state is, or like we talk about that a couple times, some of the, the good mid majors that are in the mid majors, but they're, you know, conference powerhouse or national powerhouses. Like I should bet against Gonzaga every week. Like, it's just, it's, I haven't taken the time to fix stuff like that, but I, I get to thinking about um, golf too, as I've kind of done some soul searching with that. And I feel like, like outrights are sexy. And I can't make the case that like outrights will ever be my, you know, I I tried to make a case in my head, like outrights are just minus EV, like the holds are huge, that you need some variance to fall your way. And I looked at like my outright prices and what I was doing and what I was hitting with golf. And I looked at my head to heads where I'm just, I was doing very, very well with head to heads and pissing it away every week, a little bit of it on outrights. And I don't want to say like I'm anti outright because we have a lot of fun with that with tennis. I think we find a lot of value in some guys. I've had fun with that in other sports. I've done well with it in other sports, including, you know, just NFL, college basketball. Sure. But like, do you ever think that you'd maybe want to just stick more money into the head to heads compared to some of these outrights? Because you do it feels like you just you need some variance and some luck on top of getting a good price and a good driver. I think I'm already realizing that after three races. I think that (laughs) I bet
2: like three head-to-heads in the first race. I bet five in the second race and I bet like six or seven in the third race because there's just, like you say, more value in head-to-heads and as my model hopefully gets better, I'll be able to identify more pricing discrepancies in head-to-heads and maybe be able to take advantage of what Whale is saying. If If I get to a point where somebody that's a hundred to one keeps showing up as 80 to one for me, no matter what I do to change it. Maybe that guy does have something that I'm measuring that's better than the rest of the people that are a hundred to one. And I can take advantage of that head to head.
1: Yeah. Guess what? If you, if, if the edge that you have, if a guy, if you, if you're pricing a guy at 50 to one or 80 to one, and he's market wide, hundred to one, and he's matched up against other guys who are 100-to-1, and you consider the market price true on those guys, your advantage that you're showing on the guy that's 50-to-1 or 80-to-1 is huge. You're saying yeah. he has basically twice as great a chance to win the races as the guy that he's you know that he's matched up against. That's a huge advantage in terms of head-to-head, although I'm sure there are other wrinkles that we haven't really thought about uh, embedding the head-to-heads. One that I want to ask you about specifically is... I love betting against guys that I expect will not make it through a tennis match, especially a best of five. (laughs) You know, if you know, if you have a guy that you're like, well, I don't mind taking a swing on a money line here because he's going up against a guy that you know could with you know easily, easily uh, uh, call it a call it a match if he's down two one, right? Like you know, there have got to be guys in the NASCAR circuit who wreck out at a higher rate, higher clip than normal. Maybe they've got nothing to lose. Maybe their sponsor you know it doesn't you know cuz i'm sure at the top level top guys like it's important to be you know on the screen for in the top 10 in the chase you know for the entire duration of the race for your sponsor's benefit even if you're not yeah. going to eventually win the race but maybe for some of the fringe guys like you're more incentivized to take chances you're more incentivized to uh, to do things that uh, you end up crashing out more frequently and i can you know, i'm guessing is could you Is there already a built-in angle to fade guys who uh, can't finish a race?
2: So, there's two parts to that. One, I haven't built that in yet. Two, I am tracking it, though. And I've gone all the way back. And to our earlier conversation, I didn't want to develop a preconceived notion that driver B always wrecks and I should like deduct his odds or uh, suppress his odds because of that. But what I'm finding is it seems to be there are guys who, whether it goes back to the conversation we were having before about equipment or just inherently something else. Like they just don't have a killer instinct or they're just fucking unlucky or like, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but like if you, the perfect example and the guy who this week I show all this value on for Wednesday night is Clint Boyer. He's 90 to one. To win the race i show him at like 30 to
1: 1 mm. oh wow okay
2: but the thing with him is and the like qualitative reason that i'm not gonna bet him is he fucking wrecks every race <laughs> <laughs> like the reason why my odds are so good on him is because i'm i'm putting such a huge weighting on average lap times in the first race of the, of the restart, he was 10th in average lap time. The second race, he had the best lap time. The third race, he had the best lap time. He's had the best car in, like, two of the three races. And in the other race, like, the third race, he was still top 10. But he doesn't finish any of these races. He's always blowing a tire or, you know, scraping the wall. And, and like, so like Sunday, he broke the front axle on his <laughs> car.
1: So he's got like an aggressiveness uh, index. Maybe that's off or the he's just not
2: or a like talent. It's hard to, um, for me to quantify who's a talented driver. There's no real metric for that unless we are that's what we're doing is coming up with the odds based on how talented each person is. Like maybe he just is turning too tight or he's just not like talented enough with a steering wheel and he just keeps having these things. And, you know, you read their Twitter feeds or you read the the race reports and the reviews. and Everybody's like, oh, he had some bad luck. Or he had, uh, you know, this unfortunate thing happen. Well, guess what? It fucking happens with this guy every week. <laughs> so I just have to put like a red mark beside his name. And, you know, unfortunately I show all this value and he's got this amazing car and maybe he'll win on Wednesday night. The value is huge. He's 90 to one. He's 66 to one at five dimes and bet online He's 90 at circa. If you want to, if you have access to that, I show him at like 33 to one. That's amazing. I would love to bet him, but I've watched him wreck in three consecutive races. So I can't mm. lay money down on that. Um, and maybe she's just unlucky, but it's the same with Chase Elliott. One of the reasons why I've been betting Chase Elliott head to head as opposed to a lot of outrights, because I see value on him, is because he never actually leads a lot of races. And he never wins a lot of races. He's got a lot of seconds. He finished eight, like, second... Or he finished second eight times before he won a race. I'm not you saying... You have those talent.
0: derivatives? Like, top three, top five, top ten?
2: Yeah, you can bet those. What I haven't been able to do is figure out if there's value there or not yet. Because the odds diminish so much. Like, when I say Clint Boyer is 66-1 to, to win the race... He's like 16 to one to finish top five. And he's mm. like seven to one to finish. or I think he's 16 to one to finish top three and seven to one to finish top five. That's a dramatic decrease in payback mm. to finish yeah. in a really narrow window, like top three. I don't know. Like how often do you finish top three and not win the race? There's like, that's really tough to put a number on. And I don't feel comfortable yet. I need more practice at this before I start digging into those derivatives mm. because they exist. Not every book offers the same. Like Bet Three Six Five offers top fives. Bet Online only offers top threes. Like Circa offers both. There's, it's you know it's different for every book. Um, and I don't feel comfortable enough with my numbers yet to dig into whether I should be betting those markets. I don't know what the edge is on that yet. Mm.
0: It, it makes me think of, like, run lines. You know, you, you said that. That hit me. That hit me deep, Kelly. Like, when you said, how often does a guy finish top three but not win? It makes me think of people that bet plus one and a halves in baseball. Like, how often how often does this team not win the game but loses by one? That's what you need to win your bet. And if you win your bet by them winning outright, you cost yourself a shitload of value by not just betting them outright. Yeah, not just or to win. It kind of it feels like that. Yeah. Like, you wonder if you could do some research and figure that out and look at like these prices for top three suck. Yeah. Like this is not something I should bet. It should be outright or top 10. Yeah. And at, at this end, maybe not at all. Maybe it should just be outright or some, some matchups if you're worried about the guy not being able to close the deal. The issue I have with it is one,
2: not enough books are offering top tens. That's an hmm. unexplored market by the books, or maybe they, you know, previous to me, pay attention to this offered it all the time. They don't now. Um, and my initial gut feel looking at the numbers was there isn't a lot of value in top threes and top fives. Um, now, I do have the data to go back and do what you're talking about, Andy. I could look at how many times you finish top five versus how many times you win and try and put a number on like what it should be. I don't know how successful I would be at that, but I do have the data to do that. Hmm. It feels like something you could do on my behalf, maybe.
1: Jeez. Yeah, you have all kinds it's- of it also sounds like uh, Chase Elliott could just be the Paul Casey of uh, of NASCAR.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. The other guy who might be in that um, same um, sphere is, is Ryan Blaney. <clears throat> I don't know enough about these guys to be chucking names out, but, you know.
0: But you're rough- certainly not. It's not stopping you. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: it's a learning journey here, Andy. Somebody's going to listen to this pod and tweet at me and say, you're an idiot. And here's
1: why. And hopefully that happens. Ridiculous because you're being very transparent about your like you said, you've already
2: got some good DMs. Yeah, Yeah. bring it on. Like I'm that's why I'm doing this. It's the same reason I started writing about tennis. Here's what I figured out. Tell me what you're doing that's different or better. Like bring it. I'm showing you what I'm doing, successful or unsuccessful, whatever. This is where I've gotten to. Ryan Blaney was twenty-first in lap time the first week, first race. Fifteenth, eighth. That is
0: a straight upward curve trajectory. trajectory. Log instead of linear. Yeah. Yeah. You wait. What is the cubic model?
1: The cubic model probably has. Oh God! Don't go cubic model. Um. Okay. No. Seriously. The uh, people who have tuned into this point, uh, can you give them some insight on what to expect with this next race that's coming up on Wednesday? I'm going to post this tonight.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Um yeah, People. So, people be, give him a hot tip. Hot, hot, hot racing tip. Hot racing tip for me
2: is fade Kyle Bush. He is the marquee name of racing. He races in every fucking like this guy. I don't get this. This is something somebody's gonna have to reach out to me and tell me Dominic why. King. Make yeah. He's Dominic. <laughs> <Team>. <laughs> he's Dominic Team. If Dominic Team went and played challenger events on his off weeks, this guy I'm sure he six, doesn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe he does. Yeah. With a that mustache and
2: a, and yeah. a headband. Uh, Bush races NASCAR. He races Xfinity. He races, he races trucks. trucks. Yeah. It's insane. I, he's not that young. It's not like he's 25 and has boundless energy. He's in his thirties, mm. late thirties. Um, hey. He is another guy <laughs> who seems to have this, like he's amazingly talented He drives through the field constantly, but he constantly has to drive through the field because he takes a shit ton of penalties. He like, he speeds through the, um, the pit area all the time and gets sent back. Um, it happened twice in the Xfinity race last week. Um, it happened in the NASCAR race. Uh, it just penalties is sloppy, right? Sloppy. Sloppiness index
1: sounds pretty high. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's good enough to overcome it most times, but he, you'll notice he hasn't won any NASCAR races and both Xfinity races he's been in, he finished second and first and in both cases he had to overcome penalties and fight tooth and nail in the last lap uh, both to finish second and, and finish first. So, yeah. uh, I'll be fading him uh, even though he's amazing. His prices are just too depressed. Um, Truex and Elliott.
1: At least he's well liked though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I bet against then, him the other week just because I was sh- mad at him.
1: Yeah. There should be some revenge coming his way.
0: Oh, don't, all, no, 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 don't uh, push those narratives. Kelly will yell at you. <laughs> that's right. Narratives. Andy. Uh,
1: Somebody got to take him out, man. Guilty of betting narratives. I
2: don't think that's going to happen. That's Kelly. a lot like a hockey fight where something dirty happens in a hockey game and there is three days of media buildup. We're going to bench brawl. And you know what? There hasn't been a bench brawl in like 15 years. So.
0: Hmm. I mean, tell tell the story about how I came to hit a NASCAR outright before you did this year.
2: <laughs> what NASCAR outright did you... Oh, the Kevin Harvick one? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy has enough experience with my amazing bad luck at tennis or just shittiness at betting. I mean, I build a model and he's like, What's, who's the guy you're most afraid of? I was like, Kevin Harvick, he's good in every metric but his odds just seem a tad too low for me. And would you shop around and get like a seven to one?
0: I think I get a Seven and a half.
2: Seven and, a half. and Harvick led. I don't know. 60% of the Best race. Car. No, no sweat. Out there that day. <laughs> no sweat. win. I'm watching the race going, Oh my God. fuck!"
1: I hear fuck he's man. very good on those types of tracks, you know, with the 20 degree banks. I've always heard that. Yeah. There you go. And I, and
0: I did a, a matchup. <laughs> I wanna know on Twitter, Twitter uh race count stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Harvick. I almost felt bad
2: because it's like, the same as tennis. Just that that ask like me who it, I didn't bet on that I really liked, and that guy will win. That's mm. uh,
0: it's that's, funny that's when crazy. those things happen, but yeah. how, I mean, before you go, how much how long is the season? Like you kind of went over the the fact that they're compressed. Yeah, what do we have to look forward how, to? How late does this go in the year? Oh, we're going to like Halloween. it goes
2: into november
1: Mm -hmm. yeah when do we get to like the ones with the crazy course where (laughs) they got an ambi turned
2: yeah road courses there's two of them on the uh schedule and i think those might be the ones i don't bet
1: Mm, okay
2: because i don't think there's enough data on those uh going through my um like you know the whatever the data I've collected so far. Um, I don't think there's enough data out there to give you an accurate idea of how people like if you race 38 times a year and two times a year it's on a road course, I don't know. that seems like an ultra mm. small sample size. Mm. So um, I don't know what I'm gonna do when those events come around I'll you know try and dig into a little bit more, but my gut feeling is those would be weeks of where I uh, take it off, you know mm. baseball's back by then.
1: What do you think, though? Isn't this going to ignite a passion in you? Where you next thing you know, you're handicapping Formula One and IndyCar and Xfinity. You're hitting. You're hitting all levels. Maybe Xfinity.
2: I got to tell you, I am
1: really enjoying watching it. As so,
2: <laughs> you think of yourself. I hey, intelligent guy. You know less schooling, professional job. I feel like this is,
1: I feel like this is a sideways dig at NASCAR fans. It's just not (laughs) neat. Not just not necessary.
2: (laughs) Maybe it's not meant to be. Um, but I did think like you just turn left for like three hours. That's so dumb. And you hear that joke all the time. And I'm telling you, I'm really enjoying it. There's a lot going on in the pits. Uh, there's two tire pits and four tire pits. Mm. Um, Wow, what I can't find, and
0: <laughs> I gotta find goes. Um, I, wanna, I gotta find the DMs. When I, I've been, I, I complained I, about this, and you yelled at me because it, it was the Harvick race. Yeah, i I finding finding it really funny, Andy. like the Xfinity races.
2: The some of the drivers are so talented, they just weave through guys, and even if they suffer a setback, <laughs> they can get right back into it. It's tight racing. Yeah. I'm enjoying the drafting and all the, he's going to go high, he's going to go low. They slide around the track, starting to pick That's up on that kind of stuff. Um, I really am enjoying it. It's shocking about how much uh, technical stuff is going on when they're driving, when they're picking a groove, um, mm. when they're trying to like be high on the track, be low on the track. Um, <clears throat> NASCAR could do a better job, though, to be honest. I was just
1: going like, to ask you about the broadcast. The broadcast. Like, is the broadcast yeah. brutal?
2: No. Uh, it's pretty good. It could be better, though. Like, I think maybe it's just because fresh eyes. Like, I'm not used to it at all, so I'm picking up part stuff. They try to go to live people that are uh, closer to the track a lot and ask for advice, the guys that aren't in the booth. And you can't fucking hear them. The cars are so loud. These guys are trying to give you insight. You don't hear squat. It's so bad. Um, that's terrible. And they should do less of the storytelling and Maybe it's because they're like baseball and they want to be Vince Scully and they want to just tell a story because they're watching a boring race. To them, it's boring. But I mean, you have a captivated audience of, audience of neophyte NASCAR fans. Like theoretically, there should be huge ratings for this, and should be tons of people like me who don't watch a lot of NASCAR
0: and want input. You should be breaking down every facet of the race, man. That's like, goddamn it. That's a good point. It's it's like how esports, like all of a sudden, has this platform like. Everyone's like, well, I'm gonna bet on esports or Korean baseball or something. I mean, this is this is it. There's such a there's such an audience that wants sports and there's not that much on. Yeah, there's Maybe so much. You need to write a letter to it. I don't know where I'm guessing somewhere in the south. What's <laughs> where's the headquarters? Atlanta. <laughs> I'm so guessing be Charlotte. I think almost Charlotte, everyone's Charlotte,
2: yeah. based out of Charlotte. Right. Right. Yeah, that sounds yeah.
1: right.
2: The the NASCAR website, like NASCAR.com, has embraced gambling. They have an article there previewing every race with odds. And they're getting them from DraftKings. So they've attempted to, like, put their foot in this water. They should be fucking all in, you know? Like, I don't find odds, or not odds, I don't find stats on pit crews. We talked about, like, teams and uh, owners and crew chiefs. What I want to find is make public all the data on how fast every pit stop is.
1: hmm yeah.
2: Like, I want to know what's the average pit stop when they take four tires? What's the average pit stop when they take two? What's the average pit stop when they actually have to do stuff to the car? Like, you know, wedges and shims and fucking windshield wipers, all that shit they do. Like, I don't know what any of it even means, but they're doing stuff to the car. Tell me when they're doing more than just changing the tires, how long does it take? How long does it take sure. when they're doing four tires? That data doesn't seem to be available anywhere. And I think it would do wonders to handicapping NASCAR, and it would do wonders for the general conversation of the sport.
1: Mm. Like, if what's your favorite? Just- uh, what's your favorite car? What's the best looking <laughs> car? <laughs> Mellow yellow,
2: the Delorean. Like, can we just get uh, what? Get Michael J. No, Collins like, uh, the no, uh, the
1: skins. All this, all the advertising skins. Which who's got the flash? Flash? Uh, who's got the
0: fittest car? Parties for sure. I parties.
2: No way. Not That's a. a- car guy i don't even oh, know which man. one's a ford and which one's a chevy like if they don't fucking zoom in on the very logo on the front of the car i couldn't tell you um mm. it doesn't mean anything to me you know i'm happy when i go to the gas station if i don't put fucking diesel in my car
1: what's like, your I favorite car Andy, Andy what's the best car
0: the best car like in in auto racing or what yeah currently
1: i mean like 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 the old Dale Earnhardt jr bud Red Bud car, that was just absolutely sick. That was such a great looking car. I suppose like the old
0: black Intimidator,
1: that Whoa. one was amazing too. Amazing looking car. Like Richard who's got Eddie the best car? Right the who's day? got the
0: best looking car right now? That's funny.
1: You got an opinion?
2: Right My good. son's decked out Eddie, in a. Petty's forty three. Joey player. Logano hat and a Joey Logano T shirt every Sunday. Oh,
1: because so. is that that's the yellow one, right?
2: Yeah, he's the same colors mm-hmm. as Mater. Not Mater. Who's the Cars guy? Owen Wilson. Uh, whatever that movie is, Lightning McQueen. Yeah, thank you. I've seen that movie like <laughs> so many times. It's just on in the background of my house all the time. He's same colors as Joey Logano. My kid okay. thinks that's the coolest. Red thing. and yellow.
0: Did you want to talk Pintys at all? The Pinty's series. The Canadian NASCAR. Yeah, you can't bet on that, can you?
2: <laughs> I don't think so. All right, I'm sure now. if there was a market, our friend Bo would know what it is and he'd find
1: it. Okay. So, in summary, uh, this is a great experiment. You're learning on the fly, sharing. All, and by the and, if you are if you are relatively new to this, or if you are you know remotely interested in this, I can't tell you enough um, how how much faster you will advance up the learning curve than by kind of going through this process, sharing it all publicly and getting feedback. Because there, you know, if you're just in your own head doing all this, if you're never sharing it, even if it's just, you know, with your group of friends, you know, of friends, handicappers, like sharing this stuff helps you advance and learn so much faster. So thank you for providing all this. Thank you for giving uh, all of this insight to the people who uh, now have uh, live sports to bet on in the form of NASCAR and uh, fade, uh, fade Kyle Bush this week.
0: There you go.
2: And put out an article.
0: I'm
2: Get working it on it. I got distracted this afternoon by a protracted conversation about world politics. and <laughs> The evil landlord. Evil landlords. Yeah. So mm. it killed a lot of my uh, writing time.
1: You're a G.I. Joe guy. I'm surprised you don't like the National Guard car. That car is sick.
2: Um, You know what's funny that you say that? Um, Greg Biffle was a previous driver of the National Guard car, and his car was pretty cool. It was black and yellow.
1: Yeah, that one, that was a nice one. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I've watched a lot of Daytona 500s. I like, I'm not a NASCAR guy, like, you know, traditionally, but I grew up in a small enough little redneck town that uh, I've seen a lot of NASCAR Daytona 500 events. It's like the Super Bowl in some parts of the country, it's one race you watch every year.
1: I've heard that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again. Best of luck. And, uh, I uh, look forward to reading your stuff. Where can people find you?
2: On Twitter with a, uh, GI Joe. Actually, it's a Cobra, uh, avatar. It's the bad guys. It's the bad guys, (laughs) man. Bad guys always win. That's right. You were
1: a desk. Were you a Destro guy?
2: Oh, Destro Cobra Commander Major Blood yeah bring them all on love to all the mm. bad guys come on wow yeah.
1: wow and yet you're not a Kyle and you're fading Kyle Busch
2: yeah yeah there's money involved you couldn't bet on G.I. Joe that's right yeah the Cobra always lost every episode so there was
0: no money in that <laughs> you know. the more you know that's funny yeah. so yeah. cool thanks a lot for your time Kelly good luck with the NASCAR we'll be following along I will be continuing to bet narratives because it's more fun. Because this is all (laughs) soap opera. This is soap operas with wheels to me. I like it. Thanks, fellas.
1: All right. Take care.